The one question on everybody's mind, and I'm sure the most Googled thing in the state of Michigan today, who is Mel Tucker? We're going to answer that over the course of next hour. It's a sports pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad that you're along as always. Wednesday afternoon, and that means we're joined by the illustrious, if not esteemed, Mr. John Michael Hofling of ABC10. What's up, Mike? That's what it was. That's what the word was. Because I tried to use that for my show yesterday, and I mm-hmm. said the illustrious, if not elusive. But it's esteemed. That's Tyree. Yeah, that, that, that's right. But that's right. he's been better, you know, because we've been able to get him in the studio twice now in a row, to, at know. least two weeks in a row. I know. We are working that schedule to a T right We're now. We're making it happen. Yeah. He is the illustrious, if not elusive. You're the illustrious, if not esteemed. Very much. I appreciate that word. Erstwhile, I appreciate being esteemed, esteemed. Maybe something like that. Yeah, yeah. So you're esteemed. So congratulations on being esteemed. <laughs> Tanner Hoops, John Michael, hopefully with you. Who the heck is Mel Tucker? I mean, that's Pac-12 what people are trying guy. to figure out. I, apparently, he is a Pac-12 guy. So I know that that's not going to work out. No. Pac-12 football never works out unless no. you're Jim Harbaugh or Chip Kelly. Did it work out for Chip Kelly, though? Sort of. He got to a national championship. Yeah, but... And it didn't even really work out to, with Jim Harbaugh, now that I think about it. <laughs> Just because, like, uh, he, ne- he never got to a championship. He never, like, made a playoff. Like, he was good, but never made a playoff. Should either of them ever have left their original Big 12, uh, excuse me, Pac-12 schools? Oh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh leaving Stanford just made sense to come to the Niners and do really well, he only to be fired after well. an 8-8 eight and eight season. Mm-hmm. He did. I mean, he did do well at uh, at the NFL level, but then... Chip Kelly. Did well. He well, did. three straight NFC championship appearances. I know, but then 8-8. Eight eight. I guess, I mean, I guess. Rex Ryan did the same thing He did the well, Jets, though. So, would you say Jay- Rex Ryan was a good NFL coach? No. Well, he made three straight AFC championship I, games. I, I, I'm still not buying it. Didn't go to a Super Bowl. <laughs> still not buying into the Rex Ryan Okay, stuff. so since Rex Ryan never made it to a Super Bowl, but Jim Harbaugh did make it to one Super Bowl, and even though he lost, mm-hmm. in uh, he had a four-year NFL career, right? Yep. So would you still call that a, good, a successful career? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would say so. I thought he won almost every season. You know, he had the average season the one year, but otherwise he was a consistent well, that winner. that was also after the most tumultuous offseason right. seen by any NFL team in forever. Right, but still. So, yeah, I would consider Harbaugh a success. I view Harbaugh's NFL career in a much different light than I do Rex Ryan's. Okay, I'll fair. just say that. I tell you what, though, who is Mel Tucker? That's what everyone's been asking here. Do you think any Spartan fans are happy about this hire? I haven't met one who's excited about it this. It seems like the whole thing was rushed, sort of. Mm-hmm. Just sort of because it happened right before signing day, the day before. So it was just like, oh, get a new head coach, get a new head coach before these signees retract that sort of th- retract their commitments. Mm-hmm. So I think they were just trying to get anybody they could. They grabbed Mel Tucker, which doesn't seem like a good fit. Colorado is not a program that you really think of when you think of up-and-coming programs anyway, mm-hmm. right? No, no, I agree with you. So it's just, I don't see the point behind this. This is like hiring a special teams coach to be your new head coach. Yeah, shout out to the Giants. Gettleman, they pulled a Gettleman because everybody kept saying no to this job. Mel Tucker originally said no to this job. Luke Fickle said no. Robert Sala said no. Nobody wanted this job. I'm not seeing excitement or enthusiasm from Spartan fans. Really the only Spartan reaction that I'm getting or the consensus reaction Honestly, the only reaction that I'm getting from any of my Spartan friends is they're trying to convince themselves this could work out, saying stuff like, yeah, no one was that excited about D'Antonio when we hired him, and look how that turned out. I just, no one's excited about this hiring, and I don't honestly know of a reason why they should be. They shouldn't be. I'm not saying he can't be a good coach or he can't do well with Sparty, but 
Why? Why this guy? I don't like that response from Michigan State. Basically saying, like, well, nobody felt the same thing about D'Antonio. <laughs> it's not that. It's the idea of we can take presumptions. That's the great thing about sports. We can take predictions, and we can be totally wrong, and we can be happy about it. Because I take a look at the San Jose Sharks. I thought they were going to be great this year. Yeah, they lost Pavelski, but who cares? And now they're awful, so it can go the other way. That's the best thing about sports is you and me, people who consider ourselves like knowledgeable, consider ourselves pretty well-versed in this kind of stuff, can be totally wrong but that being said we can still make predictions we can still look at somebody and go i don't think that's going to work out so the fact that they don't want to want us to do that is kind of annoying me right now we're looking at it and we're like that's not working out and only because we're saying that they're saying well you know let's not rudge to judgment here so that's annoying mel tucker's the same guy who said there's no transfer portal in real life this is his third school in three years <laughs> he was the DC at Georgia two years ago. That's pretty good. Last year he was the head coach at Colorado. That's five, not that's not very good. He went five and seven. Yeah. Three and six in the Pac twelve. And this year he's gonna be the head coach at Michigan so, State. You go three and six in the Pac twelve. Mm-hmm. Now you're moving to the one to the school with Michigan. Ohio State, mm-hmm. Minnesota's an up-and-coming program, all these, Wisconsin, Penn State, Penn State, yeah, all these great schools, and you expect it to go uh, better? <laughs> so, yeah, this is why I don't think it's going to go very well. Michigan State is very much becoming a basketball school. For a while, <laughs> football was rivaling them. I mean, yeah, They made the playoff once, They right? did, they did back in 2015, and now you've seen this program just fall from grace to the point where nobody wants this job. Luke Fickle doesn't want it. Robert Sala, I understand why he didn't want it, but still. And then Mel Tucker originally said no to this job, and yet they finally convinced him by giving him a bigger salary. It's just, it's not an inspiring hire. It's not, and I'm not saying he can't work out or can't be good. I just don't see why any Spartan fan should be excited about this hire. I will say, I think it's a good sign that Mel Tucker originally rejected this job. You do? I think it is. I think it's a good sign that he had to take some convincing because he can see where the program is headed and maybe... You know, obviously, he's not enjoying the fact that he's taking it over. If he if he were happy about it, he would have taken it without the higher mm. raise in pay. But moving to it now, he knows the situation the program's in, so he knows the tough road that lies ahead. And he's willing to, and it seems like he's willing to make adjustments to try and move it back in the right direction. So that's sort of what I like about it. Remember how we had this conversation a few weeks ago, and we we're like, they got to find somebody who's going to build up that offense because their offense has been. I mean, it's been bad the last couple yeah. of years. So they go with the defensive guy. They do the yeah, exact opposite. Incredible. I mean, play with your strengths, I guess, Why not? right? Yeah. Why not? Work on your strengths. Don't 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 worry about your weaknesses. And he had good defenses when he was isn't, in Georgia. Isn't that a business model? You just get rid of the bad products that aren't selling well, and then you promote your good products. But you can't get rid of a bad offense. Yeah, but <laughs> you can. I mean, the, the 2000 Baltimore Ravens won, a, won an NFL title. Very rarely, though, can you do something like that. The Jacksonville Jaguars made it to an AFC championship on the strength of just a very good defense. So. Speaking of which, Mel Tucker used to be the interim head coach of the Jaguars. Went 2-3 and three in 2011. You know what? With a 2011 <laughs> Jack squad, that's not bad. Who would that quarterback have been? Uh, Chad Henney. Oh, my gosh. I think so. <laughs> Chad Henney. Hey, if you win two games with Chad Henney, you're doing something right. Ryan Nassib. Oh, jeez. I'm going to look it up quick. <laughs> if you're winning two games, though, with Chad Henney, yeah, I mean, why not? I'll give you I, that. I think it's Chad Henney. Could um, be wrong. Either way, Mel Tucker is the new head coach of Michigan State as a football program. I just, I, I'm not saying it can't work out, but I'm not excited about that. I'm not a Spartan fan, but it gives me no joy to see that happen. I, I looked at this hiring and went, okay. <laughs> I just shook my head and went, okay. No. So that, that, that's what, that should tell you a lot. 
Let's see. Jacksonville Jaguars, their final roster from the 2011 season. Blaine Gabbert was the starting uh, quarterback. Yes. Backed up by Luke McCown and Dan LaFever. You know, I, I think Bla- Blaine Gabbert's a little better than Chad Henney. And Mel Tucker still won two games with this team. I do think Luke McCown's better than Blaine Gabbert, though. So. Why not? Yeah. Let's see a backfield of Greg Jones, Maurice Jones-Drew, yeah. Montrell Owens, Brock Bolin was a fullback, Jarrett Dillard was a wide receiver, uh, Chaston West, Kasim Osgood, names here. and Taylor Price was the wide receiver core for that group. Well, that's a Hall of Fame class right there. <laughs> Such a bad team. Uh, do they have any tight ends? Mercedes Lewis was their number one tight end back then. Hall of Fame. <laughs> I'm just looking at this Jaguar. Right? Hey, maybe they should feel happy about the Michigan State hire because Mel Tucker won with these guys. Who, who are these games against? Keep in mind, um, this was back in the day when the AFC South was just a laughable division. No, other than, no, Peyton other, other was than the Colts. I was going to say, other than the Colts. Oh, he did have C.J. Mosley on defense. Okay. That helps. Um, anybody else here on defense? I mean, the Titans were, were atrocious. The, the Houston Texans were still, like, sort of becoming a franchise at this point, less than 10 years. I literally recognize absolutely no other names on this. Ro- oh, wait, Rashad Jennings is on here. Ah, yes. But he was hurt. Ah, um. Yeah, I recognize zero names on here on defense other than C.J. Mosley. Josh Scobie was the kicker, though. Great kicker. Yeah, he's a good kicker. That's a good leg. Yeah. So, you know, you're playing into your special team strength. Good for Mel Tucker getting a few wins with that group. So maybe they should feel happy about this. I don't know. Maybe. It's a very meh hire. Mm-hmm. It does. It's it's much more negative than positive, I would say. But who knows? Like like was the case with D'Antonio. Maybe something great could come out of this. We don't know. I mean, we're not necessarily optimistic, nor should Spartan fans be here in the first couple of years. I mean, whether he turns out to be a good coach or not, they don't have the roster to be that competitive here for at least a couple more years. Could he be in the long term? Why not? Why not? I'm not saying it couldn't be a good hire, but it's just not awe-inspiring. It's not something that makes you excited. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I had to Google who he was like for a long time. Not today, but like, well, I did Google him today because I want to find some other talking points about him. But like, even a few weeks ago, I'm like, Mel Tucker. Do I should I know that name? I think I might know that name. I'm a Pac-12 guy, and I didn't know that name. I don't even think of Colorado football. Like sometimes I'm surprised. I'm just like Mike McIntyre's not coaching there anymore. <laughs> I know a couple people. Uh in Colorado, and I guarantee you they don't know the head coach of Colorado. Do you think the biggest deal as far as college football in the state of Colorado is Air Force? Probably. Is that the state's team? Probably. I I would pick it. I'd I'd say Buffalo. This is Boulder, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'd say Boulder's probably second. Go Buffs. Yeah. Yeah, but I I don't think so. I, I don't mean, think that they're think number that, one I there. Think I think more, they're number two. You're I right. I think they're more of a basketball school, too, anyway. Probably are. They're Although, just outside the top 25 right now. Yeah, they're actually playing fairly good basketball. The Competing. Fighting Spencer Dinwiddies. Yeah. Yeah, they got a pretty good group there. Spencer Dinwiddie. How about that? I didn't know he went there. That's a name. Yeah. Spencer Dinwiddie, but no, you don't think of Colorado. What do you think of Colorado athletics? Like, they're not a football For, school. They're not talking, really a basketball school. Oh, you're talking the school itself. Like, what do you think of them? I think that they're still irrelevant. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I still don't consider Utah and Colorado part of the Pac-12. 
if Utah's in the Pac-12, I just feel like Nevada should be too. Like I get they're not. Well, in they're the already same, in a conference. I know, but they're not in the same tier like athletically, but geographically, to me, that doesn't make sense. I'd really sense. like to see UNLV move to the Pac-12. I think that'd be really good. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think UNLV is due for an uptick here in uh, at least football, maybe a few other sports here in the coming years with the Raiders going there. Mm-hmm. Sharing practice facilities with the Raiders, I think that's a huge uh, plus to recruits, a huge bargaining chip for coaches. Well, if Antonio Brown was still there, maybe. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm joking. We're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the demographics or the geography when it comes to conferences. But Colorado and Utah just don't seem relevant still. I think Utah's becoming more relevant because they are better in football. I don't think they're better in basketball, but because they're better in football, people care about them more. They have a Heisman winner from the past twenty years. Mm-hmm. Shout out Alex Smith. <laughs> And they have a lot of great things going for them, whereas Colorado doesn't really. I don't think they've ever been ranked in basketball. I don't think they've ever been ranked in football since joining the Pac-12, at least. So they just still sort of seem like they're not part of the conference. They have no history. They have nothing. Didn't Colorado have a Heisman Trophy winner in the last 20 years, like in 99 or 2000? That's not 20 years. It's a close tw- enough to 20 2000. Years. 2000. You, you can look that up, but I'd be willing to it bet right it's now. against it. I'd, I'd be willing to bet against that. Let's see. They're high, I know they had at least one here within at least the last 30 years. I'm looking it up right now because I know he went on to play for the Bears. Okay, 1994, so not 20 years. But, Who was that? Uh, Rashawn Solom. Uh, okay. Went on to play for the Bears. The late, great Rashawn Solom. Okay. Yeah, so the Buffs had somebody. Yeah, 25 years ago. 25 years ago. Oh, you know what? That that could be great news because Mel Tucker didn't have a good team this year. (laughs) I tell you what, we've got more coming up on the show. We've got some baseball, some bracketology to break down. All that more coming at you over the course of the next hour here on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back, Tanner Hoops. John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad that you're along. You know it's been a busy sports cycle these last couple of days when your favorite team makes a big move, puts them in a championship position, and you don't even mention it. A couple of days ago, my beloved Pittsburgh Penguins traded for Jason Zucker from the Minnesota Wild. I called that last month on the sports pen in case you remember. And I tell you what, I'm so excited about it. The cup run is back on. Jason Zucker to Pittsburgh. They're they're in their window. Do you think that that's really going to help a lot? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a good two-way player. He's got a good shot. He does Minnesota play. produces good defensemen. They well, he's a forward, but he can play defense. Oh, uh, really? He, yeah. Who am I thinking of? Um, Dumba. I think you're thinking of Dumba. Uh, maybe you might be thinking of Matt Dumba. Um, he will not totally fill the void left by Jake Gensel, but pretty close. Well, Gensel's going to be back for the playoffs, right? Yeah, he'll be back in April. Yeah. So it, Cup runs definitely on. It'll help it as long as Jim Rutherford is the GM. The Cup run is always on. Trader Jim, he's always going to be in win-now mode, which I'm okay with. I didn't even talk about it, and it's not really relevant to today's news. I just want to talk about it because it makes me happy. Uh, Baseball, though, that has been in the news with the cheating scandal, the fallout from that, what have you. Ron Renneke, by the way, is now officially the interim manager of the Boston Red Sox. I don't know why the interim tag is there. That's another move that just shouldn't excite you if you're a fan base. Ron Renneke. Well, that's why they put the interim tag on there. That's true. To excite them a little more. Let them know, okay, yeah, this one's not permanent. This is temporary. Yeah. Mel Tucker is not the interim head coach of the Michigan State Spartans, though. Yep. But Ron Renneke will, for now, be the manager of the Boston Red Sox as they get set for spring training. Pitchers and catchers reported yesterday. 
Does that excite you? No. No, not until there's actual <laughs> baseball. Yeah, I mean, MLB did just come out with uh, the first 40 of their top 100 right now they series, did? which I'm always a huge fan of. Mm-hmm. Were you a fan of that list? Sure. The one, that, the one that just came out? No, have you seen it, though? No. There were a couple twins on there. Were there? Yeah. Okay, I like yeah. that. I tell you what, though, MLB.com came out with their top 10 fantasy players for the upcoming season. I'll give you this list, Michael. You tell me if this is accurate or not, because number one is not Mike Trout. Right, I saw this. Is that already accurate in your mind? No. It's not, because Mike Trout should be number one. Uh, and if you're going to make the argument that Mike Trout was hurt last year, so that's why, then wait till you hear who number one is. Number one is Christian Yelich. Yeah, because he got hurt too. But then his team did better, actually, when he was out. Well, I shouldn't say that, but they made an improbable run to the postseason even without him. And then lost because he wasn't there. Yeah, because they had Trent Grisham there. Yeah. And now they don't have him anymore, so maybe maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Number two, though, it's still not Mike Trout. It's Ronald Acuna Jr. Which I don't get either. You don't like that? No. If Mike Trout is not number one, he should be number two. And if he's not number two, he should be number one. He is number three. That's ridiculous. So far, the top three is Christian Yelich, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Mike Trout. So are those three the top three in your mind? Would you just reverse the order? I'd put Cody Bellinger above Ronald you Acuna would. Jr. Bellinger's number four. Good, because Cody Bellinger can play first base or outfield. He's very versatile when it comes to filling your fantasy baseball lineup. Uh, I mean, he just won National League MVP. He hits for a higher average, drives in more, hits more dingers, gets more total bases, doesn't steal as many bases. But if you're playing categories, stolen bases are the least important thing. Just pick up Billy Hamilton, and guess what? You win that category every week. So you Or Trey Turner. You brought up a really good point there in the fact that you can put Bellinger into multiple positions, and you can kind of refigure your lineup in a way that allows you to put the best possible player in in a way that Yelich, Acuna, and Trout wouldn't allow you to. Yeah, I would put Bellinger at two. I'd put Yelich at three, Acuna maybe at four or five. I'm still thinking Mookie Betts I'd probably put ahead of Acuna Jr. Well, somebody else is ahead of Mookie Betts. Yeah. That's Nolan Arenado at number five. I don't get that either, You don't man. like that. You hate this list. I do. I do. Nolan Arenado strikes out way more. He's a better run producer, but guess what? Mookie Betts at the top of that Dodgers lineup, he's going to be scoring a lot of runs, so he might not get as many RBIs, but guess what? He's going to be scoring more runs. He's going to be hitting for a higher average. Uh, he's not playing. He's not playing in a particularly hitter-friendly ballpark, so his power numbers might go down. But extra base hits, stolen bases, runs—all of those are going to increase. His average will probably increase with the protection in the lineup. So that's just sort of what I'm thinking about it. Mookie comes in at number six. Number seven, we have our first pitcher, Garrett Cole. I like that. You do. Okay. I, uh, I, uh, uh, Yankee Stadium. It's not very friendly to pitchers. Yep. Did you see his first bullpen today? I no. saw it right before he came in. I hate the Yankees. I'm was so it a mad. good bullpen? It was a great bullpen. <laughs> Every bullpen with Garrett Cole is a great bullpen. I'd probably put Justin Verlander above Garrett Cole, probably. Verlander's on this list. At 10, right? At 10. Yeah. 8 and 9, Alex Bregman and Francisco Lindor. I think Lindor's a little high. I yep. think the fact that he's a shortstop puts him over the edge because mm-hmm. when it comes to shortstops in Major League Baseball right now, it's Lindor, then 50 feet of nothing, then the rest of the pack. I really? Think. Is it that far? I think so. The gap is that big? I, I think so. I mean, who else is there that you would you would consider a top-tier shortstop right Off now? Off the top of my head, Trevor Story? No. I he's mean, not on Lindor's level, but I wouldn't say there's a That's what I'm that saying. There's nobody, the on, there's nobody on Lindor's level. No, you're probably right about that. Yeah, I'm trying to think off the top of my but head. But I would, I'd, I mean, if I'm drafting fantasy baseball, shortstop's not a position that I'm too worried about because Lindor isn't as good in terms of numbers and stats production as other players. So if you're going to 
take a dip in production just for a huge edge at the short at one position, I don't think that's worth it. So for me, Francisco Lindor is a late second, early third round pick. How about Tim Anderson? No. No. Paul DeYoung? No. No. <laughs> Come on. Xander these Bogarts. Are, these are the names we're pulling out. DD? I'd say Xander Bogarts is probably the closest. All right. All right. There we found somebody. I think Xander and Trevor are probably the two closest. All right. Fair enough. Um, so that is the top 10 as far as Major League Baseball and MLB.com's top 10 for fantasy. Michael hates the majority of that list. Actually, did you yeah. like any one spot? Any one spot. I don't know that you did. To I be liked Verlander with you. at ten. I thought um, you said you wanted him ahead of Cole. I do want him ahead okay, of Cole. Okay, you just want Cole like him, out I, of the top ten. I, no, I want Cole at like nine. I want Verlander at like eight. Um, so, you, so you're not happy? With okay, Verlander I guess I'm not. 10. I guess I'm not happy about. So you disagree? Is there with anything that I liked? Who? Who? Would, no, I don't like Arenado. <laughs> uh, Bellinger should be higher. <laughs> is Arenado a top ten player? Yeah, Arenado is. I, I'd probably put Rendon ahead of Arenado, probably. Mm. I'm a little surprised, actually, that he wasn't top ten. Yeah, I think Trey Turner. Trey, Trey Turner's the uh, another top tier shortstop. I'd put Trey Turner okay. next to next to uh, that. That's the guy. I'd probably put Juan Soto maybe top ten too. Yeah. Um, outfield because you need to fill three outfield positions. So I very much uh, appreciate outfield more than I appreciate any other positions in mm. fantasy. Okay. And then of course a Buster Posey's got to be in the top ten. He does. Yeah, it has like, to be. Why? Because he's Buster, man. Just because he's a New York Giant. You mean San Francisco Giant? I'm sorry, San Francisco Giant. Uh, yeah, that's exactly why. <laughs> Tell you what. Um, yeah, so Michael's not showing any bias. He's being the credible <laughs> journalist that we expect him to be. And Bryce Harper needs to be outside of the top 1,000. <laughs> that's a good one, is I want to see where Bryce Harper comes up for you. Yeah, there we go. Outside the top 1,000. Uh, where would I put? Would I draft Bryce Harper? Probably fifth round, sixth round. You would draft Bryce Harper? Like, I would. That surprises me more it than It would anyway. go against every moral fiber in my body, but... <laughs> You're a man of morals, and we appreciate that about thank you. Thank you, thank you. Tell you what, though, before we go to break, not baseball-related, but Miles Garrett is back in football. Miles Garrett has returned from his indefinite suspension. Do you like that? Yeah. You do? I don't mind it. You think he served his punishment? Yeah, he's always seemed sort of like a nice guy. I mean... I don't know. Except uh, to Mason Rudolph. Yeah, except, yeah, except to him. But we don't know the full severity of it. It's a first offense type of thing where this is the first time we've seen anything like that. Well, was it was it extreme? Yeah, but we don't know the full story of it. Would you put him back in the league? Absolutely. I think he's, I think he's served his sentence. So you're okay with him not missing games for the upcoming season? Yeah, I'm okay with that. I don't know if I am, though. Why? Because of how severe this was. I mean, what he missed, like... Six games in a season where the Browns, well, they still had a shot at going to the playoffs, but they weren't going to do it. And they certainly weren't going to do it without him. Yeah. It was six games in a meaningless season to an extent. I just, I don't feel like he served his punishment. I mean, maybe he learned his lesson. That's fine. And I'm glad. I hope that he's reformed himself and become a better person. I don't know that that gets you off the hook, though, because so you don't have to serve your time. Are you in the thinking that no matter what Mason Rudolph did, Miles Garrett had no business doing something that severe? I'm not going to speculate to that. Well, All well, I can well, we're not speculating to it. I'm just saying that no matter what he did, this is whether he did nothing or whether he did the most. Miles Garrett should have never done that. I'm not saying I'm not trying to get you to say what Miles, what mm -hmm. Mason Rudolph did. I'm just saying that no matter what, Garrett shouldn't have reacted that way. I can only pass judgment on what I know, and I do know that what he did is something that the league needed to set an example with. I think a six-game suspension is pretty Big, yeah, but it was six games at the end of the but year. But it's for a first-time offense. What are you saying? Are you sticking I, up I'm for Goodell? 
No, I'm sticking up for Miles Garrett here. But why? I just think that Miles Garrett is a guy who, I mean, you take a look at him, you take a look at his social media. I mean, this is a guy who put Dragon Ball Z, a cartoon, mm-hmm. on his helmet. You think just out of the blue, for no reason other than he sort of grabbed his head for a little bit, he would swing a helmet at Mason Rudolph? I doubt that. I'm not saying that Rudolph's actions did not start the fight or that Rudolph's actions should take away from Garrett's punishment. If we were to find out that Rudolph did say something instigated and that's worthy of a penalty, I think he should absolutely be penalized for it. But I don't know that our lack of knowledge, whether he started it or how he started it, should take away from Garrett's punishment. Like, before this whole thing, Garrett had never been a bad guy in the NFL. Mm -hmm. In fact, he'd been more of like a character in the NFL, somebody that's just enjoyable, the fans enjoyed. I enjoyed watching him play, number one overall pick. So yeah, there were a lot of good things going for him. And then this one incident has sort of flipped the book on it. And I don't think that that's deserving of that sort of title replacement for him. I could understand it if, you know... You see red for a little bit. I couldn't condone it, but I could understand it. You just kind of lose yourself. This was prepared, and afterwards it just seemed calculated. Well, his response was prepared for it. I don't know that the on-field incident was prepared. In fact, I don't think it was. But afterwards, his whole response, it seemed calculated to me. And saying in a meeting that Rudolph had called him a racial slur, and this was like five days after the fact, it just seemed calculated and prepared to me, not something that he was willing to own up to. Maybe. I am, that could be the case. I think what's more likely is Garrett tried to become the bigger man, tried to just sort of walk away from the incident, but then when speculation of suspension, speculation of penalty starts coming to the team and to Garrett himself, that's the time where you have to try to defend yourself. So I think that's sort of the five-day waiting period that ensued after that incident. Just watch. Like three days from now, the NFL is going to suspend someone for like 12 games for marijuana. Maybe. Garrett's going to be back on the field but opening here's day. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If they suspend somebody for 12 games for marijuana, I guarantee you that's not their first-time offense. It could be. It could be. It could be. You could very well get a first-time offense and get slapped with a 12-game suspension. But this is I don't Goodell's know about, NFL. I don't know about that. I know that. about that. Really? I know about that. You show me somebody who got a 12-game or more suspension for marijuana their first time. I, I think we could come up with some examples of some egregious suspensions and or fines. Oh, for we a could definitely offender. come up with oh for a first time offender. Yeah, I think six games is pretty bad. I'm not talking about Miles Garrett. I'm talking about some random unnamed. I, I don't even have anyone in mind. Just person A, player A, his first time offense for <laughs> something like marijuana. Nothing violent. He'll get 12 games, and it'll be his first defense. Miles Garrett, his first defense, will get back onto the field on opening day. Yeah, but it's after six games. You're totally negating the idea Meaning that... Meaningless six games. But so what? It doesn't matter. It's still six games. You it think does they don't? You, you think they don't want to be out there? No, it does matter because the Browns are getting set to start a whole new campaign, and he's going to be back on the field. He's a crucial part of that. Last year, they weren't going to make the playoffs whether he was on the field or not. Those games didn't mean nearly as much as getting off to a good start this season. That's where it's really going to, or it would have really hurt Miles Garrett and the Browns. It would have, but here's the, here's the thing. You're not going to, like, it's suspending somebody for the final six games of a season. So would you have preferred it if they kept him on the field for the final six games of the season and then said it, but at the start of next year, you're suspended for the first six games? No, I would have liked the suspension to carry over into this season. See, so that's the thing. It's just six games, yeah, they're meaningless, but that just so happens to be when the incident occurred. You, you're done for the rest of the season. You can come back next year, maybe start fresh. It's a new dawn for you. It's a new dawn for the team. 
the whole story goes behind it. I mean, the Browns are a storyline that the NFL likes to follow because they were so bad, and now they have this whole new attitude. So I do think maybe it's a little bit of a marketing move by the NFL to try to become, try to make the Browns more of America's team. But I still think that six games, even if it's meaningless, even if it is at the end of the season, I still think that's a pretty sizable punishment for a guy who loves the sport of football. You can tell just from the way he acts, and a guy who loves his teammates. Uh, I think that's a pretty big one for him. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you coming up on our next break. We'll take a timeout when we come back. We've got some bracketology to talk next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back. Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. Glad you're along in The Sports Pen this Wednesday afternoon. Here's your Sports Center update. St. Louis Blues defenseman Jay Bowmeister suffered a car cardiac episode and collapsed on the bench during last night's game against Anaheim. The 36-year-old Bo Meester was awake and alert when they took him to the hospital. The remainder of the game was postponed minutes later. Edmonton Oilers superstar Connor McDavid, also the third best player in hockey, will miss two to three weeks with a quad injury the team announced yesterday. He is. He's number three in the league right now. Uh-huh. Yep, number three. And finally, Jimmy Carter was the first president to be both born in a hospital and to have claimed to seen a UFO. How about that? Which one surprises you more, that Jimmy Carter thought he saw a UFO or that he was the first president to be born in a hospital? That doesn't surprise me. Which one? You take a, I mean, born in a hospital. Mm -hmm. Yeah, take a look. I mean, before 1930, what was it? People were being born in everywhere, man. Hospitals weren't even like a ready thing. I mean, how would you even get to a hospital on horseback? I don't know when go hospitals on, were invented. You're going to go on horseback? I didn't know when they were invented. No, nah, no, nah, you weren't going to go on horseback. None, nonetheless, uh, I mean, and everybody claims to have seen a UFO. I mean, maybe not you. You're a very, like, logical, sort of scientific man. I am? Have you claimed it? Since when? That's what I've always thought of you. A scientific? Well, in term, not scientific, a, f- a faith man and uh, a man of faith. That's kind of like the opposite of scientific. That's what I meant. And yes, uh, I sort of said the opposite. I'm but saying, though, like, aliens yeah. could be real. I okay, just, okay, okay. I didn't, never, I, didn't know, I didn't know you thought that. We they never, could be. You, know, you and I have talked a lot, but we've never talked about aliens, I feel like. No. I mean, they could be real. I'm not ruling it out. But even oh, if I saw I a UFO, I, I probably wouldn't go around advertising that. Would you... People lock me up if would I you, did. Would you? No, no, they wouldn't. Sure, they would. No, they would. They think I was crazy. Everybody's has like a weird UFO story. Most people. They do. do. Most people do. Do you? Yeah, you do. Yeah. You've seen a UFO. Well, everybody's got a weird story, man. What's yours? My weird story. I mean, you claim to see stuff. You see lights in the sky, and you're like, "Oh, that could be a plane." Then somebody goes, "No, there's no way that's a plane because of reasons." And then you're like, "Those reasons because make sense." Reasons. So that's a UFO, I guess. Everybody's got a story like that, man. So do you think you've seen a UFO? I mean, probably. Really? I mean, I'm not saying, "Oh, yeah, that's a UFO." There was probably some other thing, but I mean, there have been times where it's like you see a light really uh you see like a light and you think it's a star but it looks kind of off to you like it's maybe a different color or it's constantly shifting color and it's just sitting there and all of a sudden it moves rapidly how about a meteor i mean do meteors stand still i don't know i don't know how meteors work you don't no oh they 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 constantly i'm not a man of science they, they fly through they fly through the air meteors okay so i don't know maybe that one was still maybe it was like what okay is it like when a star explodes and then the the shrapnel for lack of a better word like gets sent out through space is that a meteor no meteors are like asteroids okay the difference between a meteor and an asteroid is a meteor is one that goes through earth's atmosphere 
Okay. I think. It might be the other way around. So a meteor and an asteroid are kind of the same thing, but only when one goes through the Earth's atmosphere. Yes. How about that? Yeah, so an asteroid becomes a meteor when it goes through Earth's atmosphere. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. And I think a meteorite is when it hits the is when it hits Earth. Have you ever seen one of those? No. One of those craters or anything like that? I mean, yeah, we've all seen craters, right? Or at least I've been to craters. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I've never seen the actual rock. No. No. What do they do with those? Do you think they put them in museums? I've seen. Okay. No, actually, I have seen one then because they put them in museums. Okay. And I've been to a couple museums that have asteroids and whatnot, so I have seen them, but I've never seen them like in the actual crater. Maybe that's what Jimmy Carter thought he saw. A meteor? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe, but I did not see a meteor. That thing was standing still. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know what that would have been. Yeah, exactly, Maybe man. It was a shooting star. Ten mystery No, because it stood still. <laughs> shooting stars are meteors. Uh, that's what I was trying to say earlier. Yeah, shooting stars are meteors. Yeah, dude. that's why I was like, when a star blows up, it's shrapnel is a meteor. That's what I was trying to say earlier. Okay. Yeah. But, no, I, so I, I, I have no idea. I'm not a guy of science. That's why I went into radio. <laughs> not, not a clue. You're the one who comes on here and you talk about asymptotes and stuff like that. Hey, that is. That's math, though. Okay. An asymptote, let's see if I remember this episode. It's Gonzaga's basketball team. It is? Yeah, that's how we described it. I thought they were the Bulldogs. <laughs> You're right about that, yes. Okay, so it's a straight line that will never reach its destination? No, a straight line that will never be reached by the function. So like y equals 2x or something like that. And that doesn't have any asymptotes, because either way you go, no matter what, it's going to reach every single point. But different things, like the tangent of x, uh, that's the exact thing I used, uh, the tangent of x, it has asymptotes along every single digit of pi. So 1 pi, 2 pi, 0, because 0 times pi is, of course, 0. Negative pi, negative 2 pi, along every single one for eternity, right? So that was exactly what I said. I said Gonzaga basketball is like the cotangent, or is like the cotangent function, because no matter what, uh, it'll never because no matter how close it gets, it'll never reach the pi. That's what an asymptote is. It'll exponentially get closer. The cotangent function will, but it'll never reach pi. You're a nerd. Thank you. <laughs> Tanner Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you. College basketball in full swing. Joe Lenardi just came out with his updated field of 64. Michael, we're one month away from March Madness. Mm-hmm. Conference championship week, which I love. I mean, it's like a it's like the appetizer for March Madness technically less than a month away i know right i can't wait i can't wait but i tell you what right now this is what lenardi has you tell me the uh number one seeds for these regions uh right now the one seed uh the one seeds are baylor kansas gonzaga and san diego good good you better have said san diego state you're on undefeated of course undefeated, great wins against tough competition. You're not going to put them on there because they're San Diego State? No, no, no. Get over yourself. I'd probably do that. They earn it. They earned Uh, it, man. I I don't know. Who have they played? What do they need to do more? Beat someone good. All right, let's look at their schedule. Who is... uh, Where do they have quad one wins? That's what I'm trying to figure out. They've got... Let's look at San Diego State's schedule. Right now they've got Baylor, Kansas, Gonzaga, and San Diego State. If we're going to take out San Diego State, let's take out Gonzaga, too. They shouldn't be there either. No, Gonzaga should. No, beat somebody good. Beat somebody good. Yeah, except Gonzaga has the program history. So? It's like Alabama. I don't care about this season. It's like Alabama. Yeah, but if we cared about program history, Nebraska would be in the college football playoff every (laughs) year. No, it's what have you done for me lately. Yeah, meaning this season. 
Gonzaga. Right. Let's get the fighting ass and totes out of there. So San Diego State has beaten Nevada. That's a decent win. Not great though. No. Um, they beat Iowa. Okay. They beat Creighton. All right. Uh, and both those wins were by more than ten points. My I add. Those are both good wins. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're elite wins. They beat BYU. Yawn. Do you don't like that one? The Fighting Tyler Hawes. Uh, they beat San Diego Community College. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. a good one. I heard they're tough. Yeah. 48-92, so a really good win. I don't care about this team loading <laughs> up on wins over Bethune-Cookman and San Jose State. Well, they did beat San Jose State, too. <laughs> uh, they beat UNLV by four, so that's actually closer than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, dominated Air Force. Their most recent game was a 59 How dare they? 59. <laughs> Those are the troops. And then they dominated New Mexico in their most recent game, which was yesterday, 59-82. to Either way, though, the two seeds right now are Louisville, Maryland, Dayton, and Duke. The next team out, Seton Hall. That's kind of an interesting group right there. Honestly, if you gave me a tournament and we were doing like a one-seed versus two-seed challenge, something like that, and you put these matchups together, I would probably pick the majority of the two seeds to win these matchups over the one. Like... In the South region right now, according to Lenardi, Baylor's the one seed, Louisville's the two. Eh, it's a toss-up. I might pick Louisville in that game. Mm-hmm. How about the Midwest region? You have Kansas against Maryland. Probably could go either way. The I'd, West, I'd say Kansas. Well, maybe, one. but Maryland could win that game. The West region, Gonzaga against Dayton. Eh, take your pick in that one. Neither of them excites Gonzaga. me. When did we know that Dayton... Like, Did you know Dayton was good at basketball? I didn't, honestly, D- until Dayton I saw Dayton is this. in the same pocket as Seton Hall is to me, where they are perpetually a 6-7 to seven seed, and they should never be anything more. They won't finish as a 2 seed, though. I mean, they, no, they just no, can't. They won't. It won't happen. And then the final region, San Diego State, number one in the East region against Duke, who would be the two. Why is it the East region? Just why? San Diego State in the East? Yeah, I don't like that one. I don't either. I would probably take Duke in that one, though. I, I think I would pick Duke. Remember, as much as I love San Diego State, uh, Duke. The fighting Kawhis? Yeah. Yeah. Did they retire his jersey yet or not? I know they I were know. trying to do that. I don't know. Either way, I was waiting for Notre Dame to get one of those quad one wins last night, and they could not. Uh, they lost in overtime at Virginia. Continues to be a house of horrors. So I don't know how invested I'll be in March Madness this year because Notre Dame's not making it. That being said, they're still 51st in the net rankings, even though they can't score 51 points. So, yeah, they, I might, they could make it. I could tune in intermittently. I'm always in the March Madness. You think, mm-hmm. you know, when was the last time you heard Stanford was in there? That doesn't mean I'm not in the March true. Madness. That's true. Fair enough. And honestly, it's tough to not be into March Madness, especially in the first couple of weeks. That's like when not you got, being into the Super Bowl. Okay, fine, Michael. When you've got four <laughs> games going on at a time and every monitor in the studio is tuned to basketball. That's, that's, prime, that's, that's prime viewing, dude. Yeah. That's the best. I love doing the show during then. But I tell you what, um, right now the Big Ten is projected to have Eleven teams in March Madness. Stop calling it the Big Ten. Why? You have eleven teams. Oh, in I there. get it. No, yeah. no, you have fourteen overall, but eleven are going to make the tournament. Yeah, why are they the Big Ten? You have eleven tournament teams, and your conference is the Big Ten. Hey, that's annoying, and I hate it. <laughs> the mathematical side of my brain says no. That's annoying. Uh, yeah, I, that's a yeah. They're they're the. I mean, are they or the ACC the prime basketball conference? I used to think the ACC was more top-heavy, that the ACC had better talent, the Big Ten is more well-rounded. 
I'm not sure if I feel that way anymore. I think the Big Ten is still the most well-rounded, but now they're getting to that point where they could compete for a national championship as often as the ACC produces national champions. Yeah, but the ACC produces national champions, so I'd still have to go with the ACC there. I probably would in that sense, but the Big Ten is narrowing the gap big time. Okay. Honestly, and I had this conversation last night, honestly, I would prefer to go and watch the Big Ten tournament than I would the ACC. And I'm an ACC guy. I prefer to watch the semifinals and finals of the ACC tournament, but if you're talking about the tournament as a whole, I can see where you're coming All from. All right, fair enough. Why did they ever move the Big Ten tournament to New York? Like, that makes no sense to me. Why is San Diego State in the East? <laughs> Once they move the Big Ten tournament back to Chicago or Indy, then everything will be right in the world. San Diego State will go to the West region, something like that. What are they east of? What is San Diego east of? San Jose. Is that it? Yeah. Remember a few years ago, Boise State applied for the Big East? I was like, what is Boise East of? Uh, Some things in sports just don't make sense. Why are the Dallas Cowboys in the NFC East, but the Carolina Panthers are in the NFC South, despite Dallas being more South than Carolina and Carolina being further East? And I've never got how the Indianapolis Colts are a Southern team. They're in the AFC South. Why were the St. Louis Rams in the NFC West? Why are the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC West? I did this one time. I, like, realigned all the divisions regardless of conference. I feel like I came up with something really good. I think a lot of people could. I think so, too. I think, uh, I'm not saying, though, Oh, yeah, anybody can do that, Tanner. No, I'm sure you put together a great one. Better I did. Than- I have an exclusive <laughs> model. It's a wonderful model. But I'm saying that just it, it, it makes zero sense as to why they're set up this way. Zero sense. I think in mine, I had to like mitigate some kind of Western conference or whatever and i just that one didn't make sense i know in the east though because that's where all the teams are the east i had some bomb divisions bomb looking conferences out there well so did you spread out the wealth did you did you make you nope. didn't make one conference too strong no nope, it was 100 percent based on geography okay every little bit of it so like i remember one was the bills jets giants and patriots Oh it's basically so, the so you, AFC you, East. you basically didn't change. Oh, that's the same division. No, it's geography, though. So would you put like the Raiders and Niners in the same division? Probably. Oh, that would ruin a lot of friendships. Wouldn't it? Yeah. My, my brother, my brother, Vegas. my brother, and uh, dad were both are both Raiders fans. Now they're in Vegas. Does that make any difference? No, I mean like the Raiders were in L.A. too, but there's way more L.A. Raiders fans. There's way more there's way more Raiders fans. In L.A. than Chargers fans say. We're going to have to get the map out and like actually break this down. Maybe. Because we know that the two L.A. teams would be in the same division. Mm-hmm. And would they be in the south or the west? That's a good question. I'm thinking about the west. The, is Seattle's an outlier. And then you're going to have Vegas. Arizona. San Fran is closer to Seattle than Vegas is, I think. Uh-huh. And Denver, you still got to match them in somewhere. Yeah. So Denver could go south with the Texas teams. But then what about the Saints? Because I'd like to put the Texas teams with the Saints. Where are you putting Minnesota? Still the still north? Minnesota would be with probably Green Bay. You might put Kansas City in there. In Chicago, that might be a division. Okay, or then where, would you, where would you put Detroit then? Dude, the NFC North is probably as Detroit, close as you can get Detroit, it right now. Detroit, you can pair them up with like Cincinnati and Cleveland and ah, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. Pittsburgh. Maybe Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and then you keep Pittsburgh. Philadelphia. Yeah, what's Baltimore doing in yeah, that division? Keep, no, 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 no. You keep Philly. Oh, yeah, I see what you mean in real life. Yeah. But then you keep Philly out east with Washington, Baltimore. Washington and Baltimore need to be in the same division. They do. They do. And Carolina, maybe? How is Baltimore in the north? 
I didn't make New the England's in the East, man. I didn't make those divisions. I don't know. I I know what changes I would make if I was in charge. Do you have this on like the notes app in your phone? Somewhere in here. Oh, okay. I can dig it out during the break. Speaking of which, we'll take that now. We'll come back. We'll talk a little baseball to finish out the show next on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. If you missed any of today's show, it's available on demand with the Sports Pen podcast check it out by getting our free mobile app from the apple line store or google play or check out espnup.com and get the on demand there tanner hoops john michael hopefully with you don't forget boys basketball tonight on espnup seven o'clock pregame seven fifteen tip right here on espnup and online with our app westwood at nagani it'll be a fun one I'll be there with the call. Before we get to that, though, Michael, we've got business to take care of here before we hit the 5 o'clock hour, and I want to talk to you about something that's been going on in baseball. Lawsuit has been brought up against the Houston Astros, but first, Rob Manfred is trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist by changing the Major League Baseball playoff format. First of all, have you seen the new model, and what are your thoughts on it? I don't like it. No. No. I, I, mean, the, I mean, there are pros and cons that I can see. In general, I don't like it. But, like, one of the things I always thought about the NBA and the NHL, uh, the NBA playoffs at least, mm-hmm. was, I don't think this is about the NHL playoffs, but the NBA playoffs are, why do we have one versus eight anymore? Mm-hmm. Why do we have two versus seven anymore? Can, do you know the last time an eight seed be the one seed in no. the NBA? No. 2008. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to say, well, it happened in 2008, so it needs to keep happening. No, that's ridiculous, and I hate it. Are it, we talking a one-seed lost a series, or they lost lo- a game? Lost a series. Okay. Lost a series. All right, that, that makes more sense. It doesn't need to happen anymore. It no. just doesn't need to happen. So uh, just get rid of that. I think the, I think the NBA playoffs should turn into uh, a six-seed thing like the, and like the NFL does, where the top two teams get buys. See, I agree with that, not necessarily with the route that you took to get there, because that would mean we'd eliminate the one sixteen matchups in college basketball. And, you know, I like that because we get what happened with UMBC a well, few years ago. N- well, the, you can... Yeah, okay. No, hold <laughs> on. This is, the same, this is the same exact situation. Because if you're going to let one, one game, one game... Uh, throw off your entire basis on the argument you're building. One game out of how many? 215? Probably. If you're going to let a 1 in 215 chance throw off the entire basis, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. There's always a chance for any team, but if, if you're going to make it like that, then why, why don't we throw 250 teams in the NCAA tournament? So you would want to cut down from 16 seeds in each region at the NCAA no, tournament? No, so the, there's a difference, though. The, the thing about March Madness is every single team needs to play the same amount of games. Okay. So that's what I like about March Madness. Every team plays the same amount of games, and everybody gets to the same thing. But guess what? We're not in college anymore. This is professionals, and teams get buys. Teams play series. Meaning, guess what? Yeah, UMBC might beat Virginia one out of every 215 times. But you think they're going to take them down in a seven-game series? No. No. Never. Probably won't so win another game. So, so exactly. So if we're going shrink, to shrink that idea down to 16 teams... And where one team is just by far better over a seven-game series, do you think uh, you're going to say what one in a one in fifty chance for that to happen? So is you're worth saying it? expanded playoffs only when it's a one and done. 
Because in a series, it's basically useless to have something like that. Okay. And I get that. I do get that. I'm with you in the sense that too many non-deserving teams make the playoffs in the NBA, maybe the NHL, and it would get Well, well, that's the thing about the NHL, though. The NHL is so fickle. Like, the the NHL is way more luck-based than any other professional sport, uh, I'll say. And this is a fact thing. I mean, Harvard did a search the other, did a a study a couple years ago determining what the most skill-based versus luck-based sport was. And hockey was the most luck-based, whereas the NBA is is the most skill-based. And that makes sense. That's why you see the NBA driven by stars, driven by superstars, driven by uh, star-studded teams, powerhouses, super teams. Whereas the NHL can be a team of misfits. The Columbus Blue Jackets can take down the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Pittsburgh Penguins can lose to the New York Islanders. Stuff like that. But is it luck if it happens in a four-game series? No. Or a seven-game series? No, no, I'm not saying it's entirely luck. I'm saying that it's more luck-based than basketball is. Right. More luck-based than football is. That's why you don't see upsets that often in the NFL. But you can see upsets all the time. I had the Lightning winning it all last year. Everybody had the Lightning winning it all last year. 90% of people did. Did anybody, anybody in the world outside of Columbus, Ohio, actually pick the Blue Jackets, let alone the Blue Jackets to sweep? Probably not. No, but that you'll never see that happen in the NBA. That'll never happen in the NBA. I don't know that I fully endorse that. Uh, I see where you're coming from, though. And I do want to say that if we were to expand baseball's playoffs to 14 teams, way too many non-deserving teams would get in. If we would have had that this year... The 81 and 81 Philadelphia Phillies would have been a playoff team. Oh, we can't have that. Bryce Harper's part of that. As long as Bryce Harper's on there, Michael will never allow it as commissioner (laughs) of baseball. But I don't like this, how it's such a gimmick. And I get they're trying to relate to the audience. They're trying to get people invested in baseball again. But it's such a gimmick to say, I can pick my playoff opponent. I mean, we're not third graders on the playground. No, and... One thing I love about baseball is that it's a marathon. I know that a lot of people hate it. So I've always hated the wild card game because your entire basis of the season is, oh, it's a marathon. It ain't a sprint. Don't worry about the early parts. You can pick it up. I mean, the Giants, when they won their title in 2010, they were 41-41 and at the break. So then they picked it up. But you throw in the wild card game, and it's like, all right, just... Just go at it for for a 10-yard dash, and we'll Mm -hmm. see who wins. That's annoying to me, and I hate it. So... Uh, I, I, if we were going to expand it to seven teams, I would hope that it creates more series, but I know that that's not the case. To me, this is just way too gimmicky, and I don't know why we continue to change baseball in these kind of ways. I get, you know, there's some changes needed to try and gauge a younger audience, get fans more interested. This isn't the way to do it. No. It's, it's just not. I tell you what, though, Mike Bolsinger, a former major league baseball pitcher is suing the houston astros you see this and he might actually have a case he, he could win this at a legal court you don't think so you're shaking your head no why not no why not no, i mean think about it the mlb itself one of the most powerful organizations in the world was too scared to go after the mlbpa now this guy's going to sue the major league baseball one man is going to sue one of the more powerful organizations in the world because his career ended. Mm-hmm. And they, he, he can't say it directly happened because of the Houston Astros. Like, yeah, he pitched a bad game against the Astros and then promptly got released. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you wouldn't have been released, say, five days later. Or let's say that two, you would... Well, I don't know the exact stat line he had in that Astros game, but let's say... Four get, runs on four hits and a third of an inning walk three. Thank you. So, four runs on four hits. Let's change that to... Three runs on three hits. Would, would you say that that's fair? 
Um, no. Why would we change it? No, no. I'm saying like let's go down. Let's let's go down. Like so, the, they cheated. All right. Mm-hmm. But cheating in baseball doesn't mean much. Like. Uh, steroids will make you a great player if you're a good player, but they won't make a double-A player a legendary player, well, what, right? What I'm getting at is what happened yesterday with Marwin Gonzalez, the first offensive player from that team who actually admits and expressed remorse for what happened. Now that there has been an admittance of guilt, there absolutely could be a legal precedent here for, no, for Mike Bolsinger. No, I'm not denying that he has a case and that he... Uh, I'm saying he has a winnable case. He no, does. no, no, I don't think he has a winnable case. It I'm could, saying, do, do I think he's correct in in his assumption that stuff went down and that he probably lost his job because of that outing? Yes, but we can't prove that 100. percent We can't prove uh, we can't prove that he lost his job exactly because of that. All we can prove is that hey, the Astros cheated, but they did that to everybody. So not everybody lost their job. Some people had really good performances. Maybe he's just not a good pitcher. He probably isn't. He's probably not a guy that, whether they cheated or not, would still be in the league right now. But that being said, somebody did admit wrongdoing, and it backs up his case. It backs up what he's saying. I'm not saying that it's a sure thing or it's even likely that he wins it, but there's absolutely a chance for him to win this in a court of law. There's a chance for everything, man. There's a chance for the Columbus Blue Jackets to sweep the Tampa Bay Lightning. This isn't a long shot, though. (laughs) I don't think this is a long shot. I think it's an absolute long shot. I don't either. I I really don't. Vegas odds... I'd put it at plus plus a thousand five hundred. Really? Yeah. We could make a bet on that. We can make a bet on that. I actually, I don't feel comfortable betting on it. I just don't feel as strongly against it as you do. As long as somebody is out there admitting guilt, and the team is still planning to make a prepared statement here in the coming days before spring training, that could all set precedence for this case if it does get taken to court. He has got at least some kind of right to. Well, he may not win it outright. He's going to get financial compensation. They'll settle this out of court at the very least. Maybe. I, I don't think this is all going to be for nothing. I, I think something will come to fruition out of all this. I, I don't know, man. Did it, uh, here's a question I wanted yeah. to ask. Marlon Gonzalez, now a member of the Twins. Yes. Did that make you feel good? No, absolutely not. <laughs> and, you know, I wanted, I was excited when Marwin came over. You know, I liked him. I always have. I thought he was a very versatile utility man. I wondered about that. Yeah, see? And I I wondered, you know, since this all transpired, I'm like, you know, Marwin was part of that 2017 team, and I'm like, I I wonder what role, if any, he had in it. You look at his numbers. He hit 303 that year. He had 23 home runs, 90 RBIs. All those were career best. And I, you know, assumed that he probably had some role in this. So I was very happy to see yesterday he owned up to it. That's what I'm saying. You know, and that's what I'm, I want to, reiterate too is that these aren't bad people who did a bad thing these are good people who did a bad thing and i think we've all done something that we would like to take back and i'm sure if you give marwin a lot of these guys the chance they would walk back their actions and they would take it back if they could and i was happy to see him go in front of the microphone and express remorse and apparently he's going to be meeting with the rest of the twins and guys that are currently on the team and talk with them here once they all arrive for spring training i'm excited to see what happens at all that Back to Boldinger, I think it's much more likely they just settled the case, give him a payment, and Wouldn't that forget be a win, though? It. Is that a win? I think it would be, to get no. something out of it. I mean, but 90% of cases end in mutual agreement, so I think that that's just like a thing that can happen. Like, there are people who sue strictly because they just want, just, just want the agreement. So I wouldn't say that's a win. I'd say that that's probably a very reliable thing that just happens. But an actual court win? Doubt it. It would I don't be a win will, I don't if he will, settles. 
if he gets something from the Astros, whether we know okay. the context or the amount, I think getting something from the Astros would be at least a win. Okay, that's that's fair. I look at it sort of differently, where if this makes it to court, which I don't think it'll, it'll ever will, they're much more likely to settle before, mm-hmm. but if it makes it to court, I would give Boldinger zero chance, almost zero chance. Dan Hoops, John Michael Hoefling with you with that. We are out of time. Always good seeing you, having you here. What do you have coming up at ABC 10? Well, not me specifically, but Tyree's going to have his second edition of Sports Trivia coming out this Friday. It's a Valentine's Day edition, Mm. so we got some good ones and stuff like that. So not going to be based on stats, which I know Tanner and I are into, but more along the lines of the lovey-dovey stuff that happens in sports, like Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick Mm. and others. Stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Tyree does a great job with the series, and he's a great broadcaster. So I'm always looking forward to see what he puts out. Looking forward to that coming up Friday at ABC 10. Also, Nagani Westwood highlights tonight, huh? Ah, uh, yes, that's going to be happening. Tyree will have those. We've got the game, and they've got the highlights. For John Michael Hoefling, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.